You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Emotional needs are something we all have. Your spouse wants to feel a certain way, you want to feel a certain way, and we all have that place. And today I want to talk about two of the necessary feelings that have to be there in a marriage for it to be solid. Now, that doesn't mean they have to be there now. It just means that at some point you've got to get those back if they haven't been there. And these are feelings that when they're not there, absolutely destroy and undermine a relationship. And when I say feelings, the reason I say feelings is because it may not be based in fact. So let's talk about that. This is Lee Balkum welcoming you to the Save the Marriage podcast, the podcast designed to help you transform, save, and nourish any relationship no matter where it is. What we talk about in saving a relationship is something that every relationship needs to work on. Every marriage has these same issues. And so one way to think about it is you may be trying to save your marriage from divorce, but you may also just be trying to save your marriage. That There's every day that moment in a marriage where you're, if you're trying to work on it, if you're trying to improve it, you're saving your marriage day by day. So let's talk about what we want to cover in these these feelings. And I want to talk about it by telling you about clients that have told me repeatedly. I had one client who told me that for 26 years, he did not feel wanted at all, that he, he never had that feeling that his spouse wanted him around. Or the woman who had been married for 18 years who told me that she never felt accepted, that, that whatever she did was not quite good enough. Which brings us to the two major feelings that people need in a relationship, to to have that feeling of being wanted and to have the feeling of being accepted. So what's the other side of that? Well, if you're not feeling wanted, you might feel needed. See, it's not just about feeling unwanted, which is the other end, but also needed. Sometimes people feel like it's not that the person wants them there, but that they need them there. They need them to occupy some space to fill some hole in their life. That's just as bad and as damaging as feeling unwanted. That there, no matter what you do, there's just not that place of the person wanting to be with you. So what does that feeling wanted look like? It feels like the person wants to spend time with you, wants to hear from you, wants to be a part of your life. And it feels like that person wants and treasures your relationship. Now, a lot of people in a lot of marriages feel either overly needed or unwanted instead of that midpoint of just feeling wanted. I want to be with you because you're special. The other feeling that's necessary is feeling accepted. Now, the other end of feeling accepted is to feel feel rejected. You know, sometimes people feel rejected in the role, you know, that, that the person no longer wants to have them do anything for them or no longer wants to interact with them. And so rejected is the kind of the same as feeling unaccepted. The difference is unaccepted can be kind of a passive way. Rejective is, rejected is active, right? The person is actively rejecting you, saying, no, get out of here, go away. I don't want you near me. But unaccepted can be things like, you know, you used to be so beautiful before you gained that weight. That can feel unaccepted. Wow, you know, I really like you when you act this way, but you never act that way. That would be unaccepted. 
And, and those feelings are different than feeling accepted, that who I am, just the way I am, is okay. Remember, there was a book way back in the 70s that was, I'm okay, you're okay. And that is a point of personal acceptance and acceptance of the other person, as opposed to, I'm not okay, you're okay, or I'm okay, you're not okay, or I'm not okay, and you're not okay. Those are all other possibilities in that framework, but I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm a good person, I feel good about myself, and you're okay, meaning I accept you and see you as a good person. Those are the places we're looking for. So feeling wanted and feeling accepted can be incredibly, let me rephrase that, are incredibly important emotions to have in a relationship. Now, let me put a little um, asterisk in here, a little footnote. Just because you don't feel wanted or you don't feel accepted doesn't mean you want to respond by making the other person feel unwanted and unaccepted. And we have to be careful because sometimes people say, you know, why don't I get my needs met? Why, why am I the one who has to put out? Well, there's a very clear reason why you're the one who is doing this because you're the one who's showing up to do this. And that's it. So, you know, if over these past weeks we've talked about love languages. If you're trying to speak your spouse's love language, you may be crying out, why is my spouse not trying to speak mine? And I would just tell you that's a non-helpful place to begin. Whenever there's a situation, somebody has to decide to take the lead. And let's face it, you're the one that's here. You're the one that's chosen to take the lead. Now, I don't ever propose that a marriage should, for the rest of your life, be something that doesn't meet your needs. That for the rest of your life, you shouldn't feel wanted and you shouldn't feel accepted. What I'm suggesting is that for the short term, for right now, until the relationship gets back on its feet, you accept the fact that you may still feel that unwanted or un or unneeded place, right? Or feel unaccepted and feel rejected. And you can still provide another feeling for your spouse. You can still work on how to provide that. So let's talk about three ways that those feelings get disrupted. Let's talk first about neediness, that sometimes we have neediness that creeps in. And neediness can be perceived or real. Neediness often comes when we are too close to the other person. Let's go back to a fundamental belief I hold, and you would find this in my Save the Marriage system, that we all live with two fears. One is the fear of abandonment, that the other person is going to leave me and I'm not going to have what I need in the relationship. The other is the feel of intimacy, that the other person is going to be too close and I'm going to lose myself in the relationship. We all have those fears. Now, often, the person who is coming to me to find help is, is suffering from that feeling of abandonment, the fear of abandonment. And the way we cope with the fear of abandonment is to try to pull the other person closer. And when we pull the other person closer, we increase their fear of, uh, of intimacy because suddenly they're feeling engulfed and, and that's where the neediness creeps in here. So a lot of times the neediness in a relationship comes from that fear of abandonment, that, that you grasp hold of somebody to hold them tight so you don't lose them, and that ends up being neediness. And a lot of times I see that when people are begging the other person to stay and trying to show how their life is going to fall apart and, and weeping and gnashing of teeth and all the other emotional outpourings that happen when somebody says, hey, you know what, I'm not happy here, I want to get out. 
instead of responding calmly and saying, wow, you know what? We really have been disconnected and, and that's something I would want to work on. Let's figure out if we can do that before we move to the next stage. Instead, they, they how could you do that to me? I can't believe you would abandon me here. And the begging begins and the shaming begins. And what comes behind that begging and shaming is neediness. And neediness is always a distancer. As much as feeling unwanted is a, a, a distancer, so is feeling neediness, feeling the need. So what does the unwanted look like? Well, sometimes couples have become so disconnected that they can feel like each doesn't want the other. And what it really amounts to is the fact that they haven't been showing love to each other. They haven't feel, been feel, showing connection with each other. They haven't been vulnerable with each other. They haven't had intimacy uh, in that connection. And so when that happens, it begins to feel more and more unwanted. Now, notice these are feelings. What I discover is that often both people are desperately wanting to be in the relationship and desperately wanting the other person. But because of the hurt, they're both withdrawing from each other and so that leaves both people feeling unwanted. It's not that it's the actuality of it, it's the feeling of it, it's the perception of it. And so the neediness piece comes from a perception. And that perception is often triggered just by that fear of abandonment. So what do you do about this? Well, one of the things you do is you make sure that as you move forward, you're trying to show love, not trying to get love. And this is a critical one. It's By now, you've either already done the begging and the shaming piece that I talked about, or you haven't. So we're probably past that point. Most people who come here and get to this point have already either uh, navigated that or crashed into that. And so let's get beyond that. At this point, you're probably at the point of trying to figure out how to pull this back together. So when you're trying to connect with your spouse and you're trying to do it by getting your needs met, then you're in trouble. For instance, I talk about doing one-way texts. And I want to use this as a specific example because it so illustrates it. Because I have to say this over and over to people. They'll say, hey, I sent you a one-way text and my spouse didn't respond. I guess it's not working. Well, a one-way text is designed to go one way. It's designed to go from you to your spouse, not to get a response back from the spouse because getting a response back ends up feeling crowding to the other person. You're trying to get something from them, and that's, that's always the dynamic. You know, If I'm reaching out to you because I want a response from you, I'm getting my needs met. If, however, I reach out to you just to show my love, then it's about my love going to you and not the reverse. So a one-way text is such a great example. Week after week, as I'm coaching people, they'll tell me the same story. They sent a text. They didn't get any response. They sent another text. They didn't get a response. So obviously that's the wrong strategy. What do you do now? And my response was, did you really send a one-way text? A one-way text is one that you send out to your spouse. And if you get a response, well, that's a bonus. But that's not what you're trying for. It's just a one-way text or to give somebody a hug, not to get a hug back or to give somebody a kiss, not to get a kiss back, but to show your love. That's different than trying to get some response from another person. And many times in the middle of a marriage crisis, people will try to initiate physical contact as a reassurance. Reassure me that we're okay because you'll respond to me. And then when the other person doesn't respond the way they want, they feel crushed again. Well, the fact is that what the, the strategy right now 
is to show connection going to the other person, to reach toward the other person, not to expect it to come back, but to reach toward the other person and show that connection. Okay, so that's one of the ways you can fight the neediness. When you find yourself in a very needy place, step back a minute and and reassure yourself that you're okay. That what you want to be doing at this point is showing love. And you're going to reach out in ways that show love, not desperation. Okay, another way that we get in the way of this these feelings of wanted and accepted is being critical. Now, I've got to tell you that there are always times when you're in an intimate uh, conversation with somebody that you're going to say, hey, you know what, I wish you would do this differently. Or, hey, you know what, this would make life better if you would do this. And so there is a level of this that, that you can expect that there is going to be some uh, criticism. Maybe constructive criticism is, is one way you might put it. But let's face it, constructive criticism is always what somebody wants to convey, not what somebody hears. You know, we hear criticism, whether it's meant to be constructive or destructive. And I've never heard of someone saying, you know, I, I'm going to give you a little destructive criticism here. They always want to give constructive criticism. The fact is, it's always heard as criticism. So how do you make sure that you balance that? Well, there's a golden ratio, uh, and this was a term that was used by John Gottman. John Gottman said that the, and John Gottman is the person who does research uh, on marriages and what keeps them together, and he said there's a golden ratio, an amount of positive versus negative uh, conversations that need to go on between uh, two people. So what is that ratio? Well, the ratio that John Gottman found in research that indicates a strong relationship is five to one. That means five positive uh, conversations or five positive uh, interactions versus one negative re- interaction. And the negative can be an argument. It can be a criticism. It can be you know a kind of a digging comment. What he's saying, John says that not there's never a marriage where there's not going to be some miscommunication. There's not going to be some argument. There's not going to be some uh, dig at each other. There's not going to be something that's going to be hurtful. But when he looked at the strong relationships, they had a five-to-one ratio of positive conversations, positive um, comments, positive kind of interactions to every negative one. Five to one. And that's an important yardstick to remember just to kind of think through. Do you and your spouse do that? Because a lot of couples in trouble have somewhere between three to one and one to three. In other words, three positive to one is even not enough. But I've seen many where it seemed like there was one positive to every three negative. And, and sometimes even worse than that. So we use that as a yardstick. Now, as you're working to clean it up, Recognize that you have to add on top of that because you're, you're working from a deficit. So you might look at seven or eight or nine to one that you want to provide as much positive reinforcement and positive interaction and positive conversation as you can, knowing that there are just going to be those negative conversations. So when we are critical, that's going to be the nature. We want to make sure that we balance it, right? We balance it on a ratio of at least five to one. One of the things that really gets in the way of someone feeling accepted is a high level of critical interactions. When somebody is constantly telling me how bad I am, how I'm not doing well, how I'm not keeping up my end of the bargain, how I haven't kept up my looks, how I haven't stayed in shape, how I haven't uh, gotten further along in my career, how I haven't uh, taken an interest in the kids, how I haven't taken an interest in the other person, how you know, on and on and on it goes. 
that might be important and factual information. But if it's unbalanced, if it doesn't include all the other ways that the other person is a good person, you know, I love the way you're honest and I love the way you're loyal and I love the way um, that you want things to change and I love the way that you embrace life and I love the way that you interact with your friends. And, you know, there are lots of ways that that can come in, but they have to balance the critical five to one. So when I say that uh, being critical is a major roadblock, I'm not saying you can never be critical. I'm only saying that it has to be within the golden ratio, five to one or better, in order for it to be balanced. Whenever you fall below that, you know you begin to dig away at the feeling of being accepted. Okay, and the third way that we hurt this is by being controlling. I hear this over and over. Being controlling makes the other person feel uh, either unwanted or very needed or feeling unaccepted or rejected. And controlling is an interesting thing because we all have that desire for our world to go the way we want it to. But controlling, being controlling, always comes from a fear. You're trying to hold your world together because you're fearful it's going to fall apart. And so you take on what you don't have control over. Sometimes we get controlling over somebody's emotions, um, somebody's uh, decisions, somebody's standards, somebody's expectations. And, and when we get controlling over something that the other person has to control, we're in trouble. So we have to accept that the person is their own person. And so you look at what you can control. What can you control? You can control your responses to the other person. You can control your own actions. You can control your own attitude in the situation. But you can't control the other person's. And I say that not in any philosophical way as much as a practical way. I see it all the time when, when people are trying to uh, get their kids to take on their own standards, right? To, you know, if, if you have a standard, an expectation of yourself that you'll be honest in your interactions and you try to pass that on to your kids, you have no control over that. They may lie to everybody else. Now, you may set a boundary of what happens when they lie to you, but that's not about control. That's about a boundary for how you're treated, Controlling is when you try to make everybody else live in your world the way you think your world should go. Not living in a world where everybody might have a different opinion about that. This doesn't mean that no decisions have to be made. It doesn't mean that you have to abdicate uh, any control. It just means that you have to be aware of what you do control. Your actions, your responses, your attitude. Those are the pieces you have control over. You don't have control over how other people uh, emote, how they how show their emotions, how they think, how they process. Uh, you don't have control over the circumstances around you, whether uh, a storm comes or an accident happens or somebody gets injured or somebody dies. You have no control over those things. You have control of your actions, your responses, and your attitude. That's about it. So you live within that place. And when you do that, suddenly the other person feels accepted because you're saying, hey, you know what? You, you live your life. You've got a life. Let's live it together. But you live it the way you need to. And then they feel wanted because suddenly they have an opinion. They have something to offer. And when that happens, you begin to create the feelings of being wanted and the feeling of being accepted in the other person. And those are critical. 
to recovering your marriage, no matter where it is. If you're on the edge of divorce, that's true. If you're in the midst of beginning a relationship and you're trying to find the best way of making it the best ever, make the other person feel accepted and wanted, and you will go a long way in making that relationship strong. If you need help with this, please check out my Save the Marriage system. You can find that at savethemarriage.com. And if this has been helpful, share the word, spread the word to other people. All you have to do if you want to send a tweet is type in uh, savethemarriage.com slash love in your browser, and that will pre-populate a tweet for you to send out and let people know how to find this. That's savethemarriage.com slash love. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you continue to work to save your marriage no matter where you are, no matter how you started, and no matter what's happened. I wish you the best. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.